Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse. Come by and see us, 1967 South, 300 West. Also want to remind you to join DJ and PK coming up on Friday, uh, November 26th from 7 to 10 at Murdoch Chevy, 2375 South, 625 West, right there in Woods Cross. Uh, Gordon, uh, we want to welcome to the show uh, a friend of mine. Uh, and I uh, wanted him to jump on with us, Gordon, because uh, Max Chang uh, joins us. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Max, we had a loss in the Utah sports community this week. Uh, Wat Misaka uh, passed away. And um, you have uh, been kind enough to kind of in- include me on, on some of your work behind the scenes of uh, trying to honor him and get his jersey retired with the University of Utah. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in the sec. But th- first of all, thanks for jumping on. It's great to see you, man. It's great to see you guys, uh, my boys from the hood. Literally, <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't have to walk very far to no, come no, down no, onto the show. Uh, so, hey, the, first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about Watt, uh, who he was. Uh, for for those folks out there who maybe haven't heard his story, it's pretty amazing that this happened here in our community. Well, I think it's really, and it is amazing. You think about in 1940s, and you know we have the Great World War II going on, and you know both Weber College, now Weber State, and the University of Utah had this Japanese-American play on their team. While the other Japanese-Americans along the West Coast, you know, mostly, you know, along, you know, from California up to Washington, were being gathered up without due process and interned in camps, including one in Topaz Mm -hmm. at Delta, Utah. Luckily, the uh, Japanese-Americans here in Utah were not interned, but they were still subject to segregation and so forth. But these two universities, great universities, college and university at the time, allowed a Japanese-American in the middle of World War II to play basketball for them. Amazing. And not only did he play, but he was a great player. He was a really integral part of the team. In both 1944, they won the NCAA championship, and then later in 1948, they won the more, at that time, more coveted NIT championship. And um, he, along with, of course, uh, uh, Arnie Farron were the two mainstays of that group. He may not have been like the biggest scorer or the big statistical leader, but they played better with him. And he was a team leader. You know, back then, timeouts, they didn't go back to the bench and talk to the co- coaches. They actually had a huddle on the floor. And who did they look to? They looked to Watt to be their, their coach, basically. He was the coach on the floor for the team. And he was their natural leader. And he did so many amazing things. Not only, like in a championship game in 1948, they were up against the Goliath Kentucky. Um, you know, Utah and Kentucky has a great history. Like Kentucky Wildcats, the Goliath of 1948. And um, they held the player. He, Watt held the player of the year. Um, uh, uh, oh, 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 his name escapes my mind. Uh, Raul Beard or something. Uh, Ralph Beard, excuse me, to one point. One point in the championship game. And back then, they were used to announce the MVPs. They go in uh, descending order, like fifth place, third place, and so forth. When they announced third place and Wat Masaka's name, the crowd at Madison Square Garden erupted in boos. At first, they thought, oh, they're booing me you know, because I'm a Japanese-American. He's so used to that. But they were booing because he should have been the MVP. <laughs> Pretty amazing. And, and ended up uh, being, uh, I, I wasn't sure, signed or drafted by the Knicks as well and breaking a barrier. He actually broke two barriers. Not many people know this, but first, he is the first non-white to play in the 
and well, now is the, what is the NBA, professional basketball. Just a few months after Jackie Robinson played uh, in major leagues, so well, he's a, he broke the color barrier. But what people even don't even know even more is that he is actually the first collegiate player to be drafted by a professional basketball team. Hmm. So he kind of broke the barrier in two ways. That's amazing. What was his connection to Utah other than playing college basketball here? Is he from here? Yeah, he is a native Utah. From Ogden, right? Born and raised in Ogden. His father was a humble man, a barber. Um, He played... Um, he had to play at Weber State for two, uh, excuse me, Weber College for two years because he needed to save money. Right. So he could stay at home, he could go there, he could work at the college to save money, and then transfer to the University of Utah where he had those glory days. Even at Weber, he received the MVP for a tournament that they played in. Hmm. Have you watched any film on him? What were what were what was his skill set? What, what was he really great at? He was definitely a defensive stalwart, huh. and also he you know he's actually not very tall. I, I met him. He's like 5'7", but he's quick. Basketball, he has great dribbling skills, and he's just a natural leader. I think, you know, coaches talk a lot about the intangibles. He's one of those with the intangibles. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, and, and again, you've been working on this for a while now, but uh, trying to, to put together something special for him uh, with the University of, of Utah, and I, I assume you want to continue those efforts even uh, now in his memory. Absolutely. Uh, I've had the opportunity to speak with Athletic Director Mark Harlan, and as well as University President Ruth Watkins about the subject, and they're both very open to the idea. Uh, Mark, you know, is relatively new to the university, but one of the first things he did when he came here was to get acquainted with both Arnie and Watt, and he has a really great relationship with them. I think last year they brought him to a game, they kind of honored them. Cool. But I've always asked, why haven't they retired their number, his number? Right. You know, and, you know, the university has a system, and I think the system it makes sense for many players, of certain criteria that they should meet, and that includes, well, playing for a national team, for your country in an international tournament, uh, to be uh, all-conference, to be uh, a national, uh, or excuse me, a conference player of the year, play all four years. Watt doesn't meet any of those criteria, but his circumstances are so different. Can you imagine having a Japanese-American playing for the U.S. national team? Right. In the middle of World War II. Of course, we didn't have Olympics in 1944, but there's not going to be any tournament. He right. would have no opportunity to do that. Secondly, because um, he was Japanese-American, he was faced with all this ex- you know, angst and anger at all these gyms. So they took him off. They kept him off the bench, on a bench, not as a starter. Hmm. But whatever the coach would bring him in, he would leave him in the rest of the game. So how could he become a first-team conference or so forth, if he's not even first-team Utah. Right. Because he has to be on the bench. And I already explained to you why he couldn't play four years at the University of Utah. And he he served his country in there too, uh, right? He did serve his country, not on a basketball team, but more importantly, in the Army and even in Japan. In Hiroshima, shortly after the nuclear bomb. That's amazing. Absolutely. Well, uh, okay, Max, before I let you go, maybe some listeners out there are, are hearing you want to send some encouragement uh, Utah's way. Maybe uh, what, be great. Uh, email or, you know, just to, just to say, hey, this, this is uh, an important, uh, you know, character in history and, and, and should be honored. Maybe we could do a, start a little um, movement, retire Watt, number 21. And it's important that I want number 21 rather than number 15 because when he left for the Army – he had number 21. When he came back, Arnie and others got their, their positions back on the team. They made Watt try out again. 
and they actually gave his number 21 away really? to a different player. So I think 21, and I'm sure that ate at him for entire life. Yeah. And I think number 21 would be the one to justify and maybe do a little bit of redemption after all these years. Well, Max, we can't thank you enough for, for dropping by the show and, and giving us a little history. And, and seriously, uh, your, your efforts to honor uh, Watt, just awesome. So thanks so much for jumping on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. There you go. That's uh, my good friend Max Chang. And, of course, uh, sad that our, our sports community lost Watt Masaka this week. And what a... 90... 95. 95. Wow, he, a, lived, he lived a heck of a life. What an, what an amazing what an amazing story. Yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine. 